Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann, and today we're very lucky to be joined by the... I can't think of a good name. What was it like? What was yours? Delectable last week, a couple of weeks was. ago. Yeah. Uh, so uh, by the the Fraser Hart. Thank you. And the Michael Budd. I was hoping right. I was going to get cuddly or something like that. That would have been nice. <laughs> the cuddly you? Fraser Hart. Yeah, and the, I'll take that. Uh, and I'm trying impressionable. To the impressionable Michael Budd. Yeah. I like it. There we go. How are you guys doing? That's Very a really well. bad intro. Yeah, nice one. Thank you, Fraser, because it's a bad intro again where I just lay it out, you know, how is everyone doing? I should be like, Fraser, how was your week? Uh, was that the question or was that saying you should have said that? <laughs> I should have said that's true as well. This is a great start to an episode. Yeah, Fraser, how has your week been? My week has been really good fun. Um, I have. I was up in Newcastle on Friday. I don't know if I mentioned that to you guys on a no. work event. No. Oh, so, is this the new... Because they've, they've just released... They've got a new building up you there yeah we just opened an office up in newcastle um and uh yeah the 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 management took all the london staff up to newcastle to basically check out the new office and they paid for us a night out in newcastle and uh it was a very drunken and debaucherous uh <laughs> weekend to be honest with you. it was good fun though uh so while, while they're up in newcastle the management went up a day before because they held like a, a launch event for the newcastle office so they invited local business people and people from the council and all that kind of stuff um, along, <clears throat> so I don't know if I mentioned that we'd been working on this project where we were dealing with like Raspberry Pis, and we'd written uh, some algorithms so that we could use uh, Bluetooth beacons to determine where people are in an enclosed space using. Did I mention that? Yeah, 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 yeah. that yeah. sounded so cool. Yeah, it was really really cool. Um, unfortunately, the the demo didn't go too well, or the the kind of present the the party went really really well because I think it was free booze and stuff, but. <laughs> Basically, the Raspberry Pis, about half a day before we switched them on, we'd only kind of tested them with six beacons, and there was going to be 100 beacons in there. Wow, um, that's a lot of beacons. Exactly, yeah, and we didn't have access to the space that they'd all be running in either until maybe about an hour before the event. So it was a little bit of a sketchy kind of, let's turn these things on and, and hope they work. But anyway, um, about six, not even six hours, about half a day before we actually kind of switched them on for the, the event, we discovered that there was a, a bit of a memory leak. Well, I was using a, a promise library um, in Node that basically whenever the promise was unresolved, it didn't dispose of it properly. So kind of it was building up all this memory. And for something like a Raspberry Pi that doesn't have a lot of memory anyway, um, it basically very quickly overwhelmed the Raspberry Pi. So we had to make some changes to the code and stuff. And it turned out that the original implementation that we needed to use the promise library for, because we didn't actually need to get a response anymore. So we just kind of used standard uh, HTTP requests. Um, so we were sending those. So we cleared up the memory leak, but anyway, the, yeah, the Raspberry Pis basically didn't have enough power or they, they couldn't cope with trying to send signals out for a hundred beacons. So it very quickly fell over. Um, <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately the, the demo or the kind of the tech demo didn't go very well. Um, but yeah, the party was a bit of a success. Um, but yeah, and had a Twitter feed that I built in Node and that, that was working fine. But, uh, yeah, apart from that, it was, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been good. That's really good that they um, they go to that effort to take all their staff up there and pay for a night out and stuff. It just yeah, it was really good because there's like thirty of us down in London in the London office. Um, so yeah. they yeah they paid for us all a train up there and a hotel and they rented yeah. out like the ground floor of some bar which had a bowling alley in it and uh, table nice. football and, and uh, 
yeah and wow. all sorted tennis. out there then that's yeah, brilliant. it was fantastic, and it was a free bar as well. So I tried to make as much use of that as, <laughs> as I could, but unfortunately, I can't really drink. The drinking machine, days. Fraser. Oh, yeah. I'm not even. I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. So I had, I think I had three beers on the train up because all we were all drinking on the way up. <laughs> One of the guys drank so much, like he's a really good drinker, and uh, he got through. He got through like he bought himself eight eight bottles of beer for the just for the train journey up and so bear in mind it's a three hour train yeah, journey from London to New York. Yeah, so halfway through the journey I looked across and he was buying another one off the cart. So he got oh, through like eight no. bottles of beer and then he was buying cans of Stella off the off the cart. And, and that was right. pre drinking before the even Exactly. Oh, so yeah, so we, we got like the two o'clock train from London and by five o'clock he was like he was eight eight beers in or something like that. And then we got we got to got to the hotel and then the guy that he was sharing the room with had a couple of beers as well. So he had one of those beers. So he had that one. <laughs> and, and then we went to the office to kind of see the office. And there was a beer fridge there. He had another one there. So by the time he'd even got to the event, he'd had 10 beers. Oh, my God. How and, was he and, feeling? Was he still – could you still understand anything he said? Because oh, he was very – he's a very good drinker. I want to say very good drinker. Yeah, he's, he's really good at drinking. So he <laughs> <laughs> just got – yeah, he drank. He kept drinking. He was going up to the bar and he was getting pints by like in twos oh. for himself. And he ended up – yeah, he ended up getting very, very drunk. And then break, he broke a – dropped a full pint glass on the bowling alley. You know how like bowling alleys are all like yeah. what is immaculate and all, oh, like, yeah. all up and stuff. So he dropped a full pint over the bowling alley. <laughs> Oh, oh no. well, he left his mark, left his yeah. imprint. May, may or may not have peed himself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's now live on a podcast and it's recorded. Exactly. For but that wasn't the event, that was, that was when he got back to the hotel and <laughs> came looking for people to drink with in, in hotel rooms and stuff. Because obviously after the amount of drinking he'd done, he needed more. Oh, it's, exactly. It yeah. makes complete logical sense. Yeah, and he was he was escorted from the premises by bouncers as well. Oh wow! <laughs> really oh, that's just fun. wow. He did it all. He I know. Did yeah, it all he in one evening. That park. He had a, a fine, very fine job. Oh, but it, yeah, yeah, it was good fun. Um, and that was completely away from. Yeah, might have just gone off on a tangent. No, that's fine, from, man. <laughs> no, with the, with the, the promise stuff, then. So, uh, had you kind of checked, tested some of that stuff? Like, I suppose you couldn't really stress test it, could you, at all? Yeah, really that's the thing because we we were running it with six beacons um, originally in the office when we were developing everything. So it was working fine with six beacons, but it was just when it kind of obviously you're increasing the load by twenty times, and uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't deal with it. So we had seven Raspberry Pis set up with Bluetooth uh, detectors, um, and then yeah, I think six of those packed up. So we had one. <laughs> How did you realise it was the Promise Library? Was there a bit of debugging going on there, or did you kind of have an inkling that it could be something along? Yeah, those lines? one of the guys up in Newcastle, he was doing all the stuff on the. He had he had all the the Raspberry Pis up there, so he was doing all the stuff working on there. So we turned on with a few more beacons, and he noticed that a couple of them shut themselves down. Um, so he was able to to kind of detect it down to this Promise Library, um, and he did a bit of research. And apparently, there is an issue with I don't know if it's specifically with that library that we were using, um, or if it's just with promises in general. Where yeah, because I suppose it, you can't if it's an unresolved promise, it doesn't know yet exactly kind of, it, this yeah. is the trouble like it doesn't you, you almost have to have like cleaning up you know where it just goes yeah. through and garbage collects a bunch or of have like a, a timeout on it or something that's like that. it yeah because i guess the, the nature of promises is it's going to sit there and it's going to wait for a further instruction either that's a success it. or a fail that's it um, and then if you don't give it, it it will just say i'm here still and it's just exactly memory yeah. and everything oh yeah, that's a shame but so are you are you going to be using kind of that knowledge now and you're going to because i suppose the idea was to have a bit of fun with it but also maybe kind of get more business ventures out of yeah it. absolutely i mean it's kind of it's it's a new product that we're looking at developing so it's been a hugely beneficial learning uh, exercise um 
but obviously going forward we now know where where the kind of the shortfalls yeah. are and it, we, it's not really kind of feasible to expect to run large scale tracking like that on on something as as weak as a raspberry pi so yeah it was uh it, yeah so what was the setup then with the raspberry pi was it a no js app on like a debian install yeah it was really really simple yeah so it was just a, a, a i can't i don't know what what distribution of linux it was i think it was just is it there's a, a specific one for raspberry pis i believe um, but we were just running like a simple node script on there with uh, a Bluetooth. There's a, a Bluetooth library that allows you to, to use a Bluetooth, um, a, a USB Bluetooth adapter. And uh, yeah, it just kind of so gives cool. you a ping every time it picks up a, a message. And then we were we were sending that with uh, Socket.io to a central server that was doing all the calculations to work out where. So we had the, the Raspberry Pis were literally just acting as detectors. So they'd pick up a, a signal. They With Socket.io, they'd pass it off to a central server that we were using. And then on there is where we do all the calculations on as per like all the trilaterations. So we could, we could, if we had a signal from a single beacon on three or more detectors, we could work out roughly where that was in the room. That's so cool. Which is really cool, yeah. yeah. So we had seven of these in, in the room, six of them shut down, so we couldn't really, uh, yeah. We I, couldn't. Suppose, I mean, that's interesting that you say with, like, the Raspberry Pi, because I know they do a lot of, like, Python stuff, you know, obviously, like, just the kids learning the yeah. programming with that and stuff. And, mate, I don't know, are you looking into, like, different languages there, maybe, to kind of, like, a lower, bit lower level, like the C++ is of the world, or we you try honestly, and keep with... Yeah, yes. we've not really considered that to be honest with you. It was just kind of because we had everything that we needed with with nodes, so we could use socket IO, which is obviously really really cool. So the whole ecosystem was there for us. Um, but it might be worth, yeah, it might be worth us looking into alternatives such as, yeah, like you say, Python. Um, but there's been a release today, I think, of a of a new Raspberry Pi, which is a little bit more powerful. So I think we're going to get hold of a couple of those and see how they handle. Um, oh, I love Raspberry Pis. That's oh, really so good. Cool. Yeah, I want to do something myself with one, but I haven't got a clue what. Try, yeah, it's trying to think of an idea, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I remember I bought one, and I'm just like, when it first came out, I'm like, I don't really know what to do. to do with it, though. You know, <laughs> yes, like exactly. you know, you can set up as like a little MAME cert, you know, em, you know, kind of little arcade box and oh, stuff. Oh, that would be it, a cool idea. It yeah, is like a cool a, idea, like that. A and I've seen it or something. Yeah, I mean, I I did some things like that, and then I was like. People were making like arcade machines out of them and things, and it was yeah. really cool. Um, but I just don't have the, the de- like the dedication to do that. I kind of get bored easy. So maybe yeah, I, I really should kind of think of a project and then really apply for it, apply to it. Yeah, yeah. I need to. That's the thing is for me, it's getting the kind of the inspiration to actually do something. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of lacking in that at the moment. <laughs> how's how's work going? On, like on top of kind of that stuff on Friday, like what you've been working on. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going really, really good. Uh, just working on the standard kind of back, apart from all the the stuff for the Newcastle event, like all the location stuff. Um, all our all our apps are, are written in Backbone, so obviously been doing a lot of Backbone. Um, outside of work, I've been working on a project. It's I think I mentioned it about six months ago that it was working on for this sailing company over in in Corfu. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, just putting a little uh, app together in Ionic, uh, which Ionic for the, for those people that don't know is kind of way of, of writing JavaScript apps and package them up for uh, native Android and iOS. So it uses um, Cordova and Angular and, yeah, pretty much Cordova and Angular. Uh, so I've been working on that I've kind of, because I hadn't touched that in about four months, but with the the kind of the, the sailing season about to kick into gear in the next couple of months, um, I've been trying to kind of spend a bit more time in that and get that wrapped up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all all going good. I've been I had a look at some React tutorials yesterday because I've I've not quite not really played with React too much yet. So sat and watched a, a few videos on on React yesterday, which was very interesting. Nice. Are you um, looking to use that in a future project? Um, we I've got no no kind of or 
no, there's there's no plans currently to use it in a future project, but I think it's one of those things that I do. I should learn it because it is kind it's of good. Big, I mean, again, it's like good to look at the landscape of everything. It you is, know? yeah. I think because it's funny because now obviously the JavaScript world has become so big. There's obviously it's kind of spread out, and there's a lot of different areas now, a lot of different different innovation. Yeah, um, that you you see a lot of noise and stuff from the React community because it's yeah. quite a vocal one with Facebook and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's good to just see all really. You know, like looking yeah. into all these things. Like I've been looking into like Cycle JS. Uh, which is like observable observables and um, <laughs> I got that word out eventually you got there in the uh, end yeah. you know and it's uh, these kind of ideas of like uh, functional reactive programming and yeah it's a really cool event stream kind of thing and I mean could you imagine when you know Brendan Knight made JavaScript that he'd be thinking oh yeah people are going to be setting this up on like a little small you know this Raspberry Pis and yeah. then be able to be interface it with a Bluetooth connector and you know, this is the thing where it's become, you know, now where the language has really exceeded kind of oh, yeah. any expectations. I suppose that's what happens with all languages, really. I mean, I suppose, you know, like Rasmus didn't think the PHP was going to become that and all this. So, yeah. it, it, but it is kind of interesting how these languages spread out and that you've really, you know, yeah. it's good to take influences in even in the same language, kind of in different areas of it. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember like one of the first things I ever did in JavaScript, like about fifteen years ago. <laughs> it was like the most amazing thing in the world to me. Do you know those the kind of the uh, the pop up boxes you used to be able to do, and you used to be able to move the yeah. the OK button to close yeah. it every time the task cursor got over. <laughs> and to me, that was like, the most amazing. Well, so this this day, the most amazing use of JavaScript that uh, that's ever existed. The most practical use case. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Oh, and something else that I, I should talk about. It's not really kind of dev related, but it's kind of work. I guess it could be. Um, have you seen this leap, the uh, leap motion uh, controller that you can get for computers like Macs and PCs? No, what's it's this? basically like a, it's it's a real kind of weird concept. Like I'd heard of it before, but do you know I've got a, an Oculus on pre order. Yes, it was I'm like so yeah, someone had someone put a video together, or, or sorry, leap motion of of kind of made their software a lot better. So to, to describe what it is, it's kind of it's a little box that sits in front of your computer. It's got two hidden cameras in it, and it basically tracks where your hands are. So you can wave your hands over it and interact with your with your PC or your Mac uh, just using your hands kind of hover, hovering over this thing. So it can work out with gestures, like if you've got five fingers out or if you're moving your hand or if you're rotating your hand and stuff, it can, it can work out exactly where your hand is. So someone put together a really cool Oculus demo um, where they'd actually put one of these on the, the front of the, the headset, all right head mounted display and then it was actually using it was visualizing your hands inside the world <laughs> just by this camera looking at looking at your hands which I, th- I thought was one of the coolest things ever so i got myself one of these leap motions um because i thought it'd be cool for when the oculus does turn off it was like 35 quid it's really really like even just using it on your mac there's a lot of different apps that you can play with it there's, there's for instance there's like cut the cut the road you know the ios game cut oh, the road yes there's that and there's there's just lots of nice Nice How things. easy have you looked at like the uh, development tools for it and things? Yeah, they actually have a JavaScript API for it. So uh, I'm, I'm thinking there you of, go. of trying to do something with that. But uh, but the whole kind of package, like it's yeah, the, it's it's just really kind of nice and it's just fun seeing new ways of doing things and new it's, interactions. It, it's, that's exactly it. yeah, and yeah. it's completely gimmicky and it's not practical to use in the real world. Like I've got it set up on my laptop so that I can I can like switch to my next window on the Mac and I can kind of go to expose <laughs> and application switcher and all that kind of stuff by using hand gestures, which is kind of cool. But it, but it's complete... so minority report and it's so badass. Exactly, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> unnecessary, but it's just kind of cool. Um, so but the yeah, thing is, you those... say that, but like I mean, I suppose 
20 years ago thinking of touching a, a monitor screen and you know yeah. like kind of we use now ipads i mean like fingerprint scanners yeah we use these things that we kind of think of as gimmicky and kind of like oh they're not going to need it in the mainstream yeah now they've become a real thing so i say you're gonna eat your words in, in 10 years you'll be like i was you know you're at the forefront pioneer. Of exactly you know <laughs> yeah. pioneer of this technology yeah oh, no, i'd that- like to yeah so so they've got the the javascript api so i'd like to develop something Kind of like, like I've been meaning to play with 3JS for a long time as well, so I think that would be kind of cool if I could do something with, with the Leap Motion and 3JS. Um, and even if I could take it further and put it into Google Cardboard or something like that, then that would be pretty cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just trying to find the time to, to fit in everything that I want to yeah, do. day job and that, and then obviously girlfriend, etc. Yeah. It all mounts up. Exactly, yeah. But, uh, yes, I think that, that about covers me. Sorry, I've kind of run away with the, uh, with the show for the no, first No, man, not at no. all. Not at all. How, how are you doing, Mickey? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I was just uh, going to say, I think, um, obviously, talking about Raspberry Pi, I was sort of reading an article the other day about, uh, you know, don't be too quick to go out and buy one because the competitors are really good now as well. Yeah, See, that's, uh, it, yeah that's it, isn't it? Because Raspberry Pi must have started off this trend. But yeah, then it is exactly. now the competition is obviously rife for. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Like looking at the spec on some of them now, it's insane. But uh, yeah, I think like the one I was looking at was uh, the Beagle Bone or something like that. I think it was like $30 and. Uh, yeah, the, the spec was insane, so it might be worth checking that out as well. Okay, yeah, that'd be worth looking at. I'll make a note. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Um, and what is that? Is that essentially exactly the same thing? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, you know, like for like a competitor, really. Um, but uh, yeah, I think same again, you know, you can run like, you know, Debian, Ubuntu, uh, Android on it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they, I mean, like the, the Raspberry Pi 3 now and as well as this, I think they, they all ship with like Bluetooth and Wi Fi out the box now, don't they? So Yes, they do, yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive. But um, yeah, but in terms of other uh, gadgets, um, do you see the, the new Google uh, robot that they sort of unveiled in the last few days? Oh, was this the one they had the video for where he was he was beating it up with a broomstick? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, so what? <laughs> I I was like sat there watching it. I mean, I, I was thinking like Terminator. I was thinking you do not want to yeah, don't mess with this man. Wait yeah. till they get all AI'd up as well. Yeah, exactly. They just kept smacking him over with this broom, like to demonstrate Why? how he can like get back. Oh, up. oh, right. So it's like, like the similar, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You never yeah. keep me down. And the thing with the Brilliant. box as well, I thought that was really yeah. fun to watch as well. So he puts like a, a box down. It's got VR codes all over. It. Are they VR? No, what are those QR codes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. QR codes all over it, so we can see where it is. So he puts this box down. The robot starts walking towards it, and like bends over to pick it up. This guy kind of picks up the box, moves it. <laughs> So this thing recognises that the box is now moved, stands up, walks towards this box, and then the guy that moved the box before gets a broom handle and shoves this thing like a few steps back. And like to its credit, it it kind of took steps back to steady itself and then came forward and picked up the box. Awesome. Really cool. And really, really mean to all robots everywhere, you know? Robot cruelty. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. So when AI comes in, that bloke's going to get exactly. Yeah. Fight. Exactly. He's going to re- look at that YouTube video. Go on YouTube. All these robots. Be like, who was this guy? The drumstick. <laughs> I must avenge. Must <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a movie plot right there. Yeah, there is. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Now, what, so what have you been up to, Mickey? Um. So. Um. So yeah, I don't really think I've spoken to you since I got back from the PHP conference. Yeah. Right? We need to. So, what's the recap on? Oh that? yeah, we had go, a bit, man? didn't we, Mick? We did, yeah. We had, like you say, oh, we don't really drink yeah, much anymore, came do we? back from the bar with like 20 mojitos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, we were pretty tame that night, really. But we had a few drinks. Yeah. It was a good catch-up, though, wasn't it? So, uh, um, but yeah, no, the conference was really good. Um, 
Yeah. I t- what was the so, highlight? What, what, what kind of uh, talks stood out to you? Well, okay. So I think I told you and, you know, I forgot, might have put the other thing on Twitter, but definitely like, uh, the talk about microservices. Um, I've really, I'm really kind of inspired me actually because I, I know I've heard you talking about it before and, and you saying, oh, I, you know, it's a bit of a buzz term. And, um, but yeah, I, I guess for me, it was like something like it was a real light bulb moment and that really made a lot of sense. And I think probably because of the projects I'm doing at the minute where there is a lot of really, I don't know what the best way to describe it, like components to the, to the product itself, which makes complete sense to split them up. But it just, I really like the idea. I mean, obviously the guy was very passionate about the topic and he was just saying, look, you know, if you do this, if you use micro, microservices, then suddenly life becomes a lot uh, easier. Well, not easier, but more organized. You can have these teams that are more autonomous yep. and they've literally got this little service that they deal with or big service that they deal with. But rather than dealing with this huge model, they can add their own rate. I guess in their own rate of change, and it, yeah. it's that kind of you know different web, different stacks, different languages based on the problems. Yeah, but the idea that you know you see obviously you know if you're using something like HTTP and uh, and REST, then you know if you've got these endpoints, then really you know what's the matter if you if you've got one microservice that's written in Java or Python that's or it. PHP, and that oh, I mean that the power really in that is cool. so cool. Yeah, very cool, and. Um, so yeah, that was very good. I mean, the guy who talked about it, I can't remember his name. That's a bit harsh, but like we'll you put know, in the show notes, about... I'll find. Uh, you send me a link to the yeah. conference because I know that they put all the videos online, don't they? Do, like, yeah, a couple of months later. Like, yeah, three or four months later. But yeah, he was. You know, his talk was. You know, focused a little bit um, on. Uh, is it Sam Newman's book? Who I've bought now, and um, so now I've just yeah I've been plowing into that. But uh, again, I think I told you earlier, but. Yeah, I've only read like the first few chapters, but you know he really talks uh, passionately about microservices. And one of the things he talks about is the idea of uh, software architects, yep. and um, how you know he really he really doesn't like that term because he he doesn't see that as what we do at all. And uh, in fact, really, if you think of an architect, he really kind of takes a blueprint and he'll build something that's really kind of fit for purpose for that time. So someone needs a house, they build that house at that time, you you wouldn't really get someone come and think, well, I'm going to build this house, but I'm going to provision in the fact that someone's going to add on a swimming pool in the loft at some point. <laughs> you know, why, why would you do that? You know, So really he's saying, well, that's not really what we do. We're actually more like town planners. And um, you know, we don't really, what we want to say is, well, okay, you know, I'm just going to kind of stand back and watch this house be built, but I want to make sure that they don't, you know, go and put like go know, crazy just, don't go go completely yeah, off course on things and exactly and i want to make sure that then you know in the future we can do other stuff that kind of thing and again you know i think for me like suddenly when i was in full-time employment software architect was the role that i was hoping to lead to was something well, it that sounds very cool doesn't it you know i'm a, it does, it's like yeah. software gardeners i'm a gardener of software i'm a software yeah. architect i'm you know these kind yeah. of buzzy cool terms you know yeah, exactly. But I think uh, he talks about it a lot better than I do. I don't think I've really put it across very well. But uh, but yeah, very, very interesting. And just the whole topic of microservices, I think, you know, is really interesting. And I take on your point, you know, there are a lot of these uh, buzz terms. Uh, I, think, I think it's anything, though, because I remember you saying that this year that you joked, you know, DDD kind of got a bit of a slating <laughs> by certain people. And, yeah. and it's funny because it's like anything, like... What happens is, is people, people. It's this cycle where you get a cool new thing, 
Mm. And it's like a toy, you know, it's like this hit new toy and everyone's got to have it, you know, so everyone's using it and everyone wants to use it and they'll use it everywhere and they'll, I want to bring it everywhere with me, you know, this is my awesome toy and I want to bring it everywhere with me. I'm going to take it everywhere and then you get bored of it and then you start hating it or, you know, you see other people doing it and you're like, well, why do they put it there? And, you know, why are you using it there and things like this? And that's like anything though. And the trouble is you have to use things in moderation. Like nothing's a silver bullet in technology ever. Ever, yeah. ever, ever. But we always, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, villain to this because I say like, oh, React's awesome, you know, and it's great, but it's not the silver bullet. Like, it's not going to solve everyone's problem. In fact, it actually generates more problems, like different yeah. problems, you know, in some cases, you know, it may solve some, but bring in others. And that's exactly like anything, like DDD, like, you know, DDD for certain use cases is amazing, but people try and put it in everything or they try and use it in a program, in, in a, you know, a problem domain that they don't need it in and it becomes massive bloat and a complete waste of time. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. And like, say with microservices, because, you know, microservices, great idea, you know, this mm. idea of autonomous system, you know, autonomous, uh, you know, uh, teams and this whole idea that you know you'll be able to split these up and have different rates of change and you know that's kind of like a bounded context in ddd yeah. where you separate and you actually you know you you re- i mean even if they're you kind of yeah you do split up your system into different ubiquitous languages and you have you know different data stores and different everything for everything uh you know sake because you don't want this massive monolith but yeah sometimes the monolith wins like there is balance in all i find you know mm. where you know, I think DHH actually pushes a lot. The guy, the uh, Ruby on Rails guy, he pushes a lot for the the monolith because he's like, well, it still works, and it's you know because everyone keeps pushing for the other now. You know, like it, it yeah. goes through these things where people are like, no, it has to be split up completely. It's like, well, actually, no, it doesn't. And and I think you know, it's it's finding that balance, and it's not an exact yeah. science for that. Um, but I do agree, like so the, you know, the idea of microservices and just SOA, service oriented architecture. Mm, yeah. You know, th- this concept of being able to essentially, you know, have a problem and solve that one problem, and provide the, a public API for that to your teams, essentially. You know, and and you know, maybe you have a couple of maintainers on that project, and even if it's a small team, you can still have like a single maintainer for that one project who deals with it and treats it almost like as it's a, an external service. And the beauty in that is, is that you then don't know the internals of it. So you can't yeah. try and use it in a way and exploit it and become, you know, it just becomes a big ball of mud. It just becomes unusable yeah. uh, because, you know, you've just kind of just taken advantage of the fact, you know, you can only use its public API. So it's a simple, you know, input, black box output, you know, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it's got a clear, clear problem it's solving. Yeah. The trouble is splitting these up into those clear problems can be very hard, I feel. Um, yeah i agree yeah that that to me like thinking of it now would be the hardest part is to try and find those boundaries and what really is a good service you know because you know people have you know the 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 simple services are like i I would have like a mail service you know like an email service and i'll have maybe image services and i'll have like a payment service and things and but you've got to be very specific and quite you know it's very context specific and domain specific on what's going on um, but yeah, that that yeah. is the thing. Is the kind of I feel what then happens is the problems occur and the the pain happens because they do the wrong kind of separations. They split it up maybe too much or too little or in the wrong direction. They cut it up in the wrong way, and then they get the pain from it. Um, I hundred percent agree, and I think there are edge cases like, for example, if you've got two different uh, microservices, but they're both feeding from one database and. Have you really oh, kind yes. of decoupled that, this, as much as you think you have? Yeah. See, the, this is interesting because um, the, uh, my builder, we we have moved to more 
kind of I wouldn't call them microservices. I'd call it more different systems um, yeah. and completely different applications. Though they do share the same database. We we have split them up into different schemas. So they share the same database but have different schemas, which is essentially different worlds that they live in, the schemas do. But they can yeah. cross that boundary, but it's very explicit if you're crossing into, say, another person's database. So yeah. it's possible, but it it's also kind of frowned upon. Now, yeah. ideally, you want them in separate databases, but the trouble is that adds overhead of maintenance and it adds overhead of system and... You know, I know you have things like Puppet and all these automation systems, you know, makes things a lot easier, provisioning systems, mm. but there is a lot more overhead on, on adding microservices and these separations because of, yeah, you have to keep these things up to date now. You you have to choose a stack. I mean, what I'm, you know, the great thing is, you know, it's like, oh, great, you get to use a new stack for this. But then sometimes you're like, well, do you really need to use a new stack? Um, mm. Yeah. You know, I think I... I don't, I always sound so pessimistic, but yeah. like, I always think like it's really cool, but it's also you have to kind of weigh it up and be a bit more, but, you know, use it for power, you know, like the, take the power of it, you know, like, yes, this is brilliant in this context and you can yeah. see, oh, in another way, it may not work. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other I, talk I listened to was like the title was from like all the cool kids and it was um, talking about how we do feel threatened, like a lot of new things coming in, if it's you know, I don't know, either a design pattern or new framework or what have you. And we, our reaction is that we feel, oh, we should be doing this because the new things come out. Especially then, if we feel if we hear like a, a big name connected to that, so yeah, for example, like you see a Facebook or a, a you know Facebook yeah. or a Google or even an individual like you know Martin Fowler or something, yeah. it, it just makes you think, well, oh, I should be doing this. I'm but not actually, cl- I'm, I'm not clever if I'm not using this. I'm yeah, yeah, absolutely. But actually, even those big you know boys get it wrong. Do you know what I mean? So they yep. they might join a fad that actually in a few and years time they're like. So the problems that Facebook are dealing with happen to maybe 10 or 20 websites or, you know, businesses in the world. Yeah. Like the the, the curve, I think it was um, Anthony Ferreira. He posted like, you know, where we look at this, you know, and we, we complete, you know, our, we, with our systems and with our companies, we always compare to like, because obviously they're the most vocal and they probably have the most resources to produce all these good open source projects and things. But they're dealing with problems that we never will have. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, we wish we will. Like you, you kind of wish you get that, but it, it's this bell. Cur- I think I don't know what it's called. Is it a bell? No, it's not a bell curve, but it's a, it's just this. You know, it's a logarithmic in that it just goes. Yeah, logarithmic. You know, where it's just n squared essentially, where it just gets higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And they're dealing with this inf- incredibly, you know, like just amazing place they're at. You know, yeah. where they're having to deal with problems and they're dealing with insane things and they're making languages to solve that and new patterns and things like this. And they're having to use all these these kind of break it. They're having to break the mold and, and do a lot of research into things where as we sometimes mostly don't need to. Um, but it's yeah. nice to use new things and it and it can be beneficial. And again, it's that whole that there's no the secret source is that you have to try and find a balance. Absolutely, <laughs> that's, not really, yeah. that's not really secret sauce at all. It's it's very very relative to the problem. I completely agree. I think, I mean, the things I did take away from the conference personally was, you know, well, same things I always do. Kind of like more testing, more version control. Uh, the microservices thing did hit home, but also with the microservices thing connected to that is this whole idea that because you've got these different systems that your error reporting is all done to one central place. This, that coordination and all that, because that's yeah. the thing as well, like logging, error logging, um, reporting, yeah, as you say, needs to be... Yeah. yeah, and it made me think something you two were talking about this the other week, 
but it, is that I mean is that something you two both do that you you log everything all in one place or do you have them scattered all over the place in different logging uh, solutions? So, oh, do, do you want to go Fraser first? Uh, I can't really speak again for long because we've not implemented the 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 error login that we were chatting about before yet, um, and I don't really have any any hand in the back end login, so I yeah I can't really talk on that subject unfortunately. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's right. Uh, so, at my builder, we we use a lot. So, Gavin, um, the CEO, my boss, he 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 is great. Like he is great in that we have so many different errors. Like he will he has installed that because you get lots of free trial, like not free trials, but lots of you know like the the free levels of these things. You know, like we've got yeah. the data dogs and noise, and you know we have paid for some of the others. But we essentially, you know, you'll try something out and you'll just keep it running because it's nice to have that running. Like. We, but then, as you say, like, and this is what I found as being an Ewok when we did these that we each do a week of like being the guy, the go-to person for errors and things like that in the company, and like dealing with problems and you know, kind of helping the tech team. Um, it, it was kind of co- trying to coordinate all these things and this logging, and we have we have got like HipChat uh, is integrated and hooks into a lot of them, where you know a lot of things just feeding into that, where you know we'll get the notifications kind of summarized there. Uh, and then you'll have to go to certain other areas. Datadog's been very good for that, where we've pumped in a lot of information there. That feeds into things like paper trail. So we've got a lot of areas. Like we've, I would say we've probably got about three places where you can get aggregates of all of the problems. And then okay. you can filter into that, which I still think, I think it's fine. I think for me, that's okay. Like, I know where to look it for these certain bits. Um, the thing is, I mean, the trouble is, is sometimes you can have too much data and too much and it can get overwhelming and we've actually found that one problem we've had at this time still um is actually a javascript issue at the moment uh so when we first uh started rolling out javascript tracking and error tracking we used something called errorception and we weren't we we, the, the thing with javascript obviously it's on the client so essentially you're dealing with the browser's problems on that client you know you're not controlling the space as opposed to if it's on your server, if there's a bug on that server, that's your problem. When sometimes, you know, their browsers may just be balked, they may have malware, adware, or this crap on it. So we, we would get, you know, like really crappy sometimes errors and things that wouldn't make much sense. Uh, typical ones like Vodafone, you know, they would do like injecting certain things into the page and things like that. Horrible stuff yeah. uh, on their web browser, you know, when people, you know, used it on their web browser. So things like that, which you'll get errors for. And, and these became like red herrings. You see a lot of noise. And I found that, and we also get this now, with um it's it's a real error like it's a very interesting one so um what happens is is if 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 say with oauth uh of tour 2 sorry that you were you know you log in you get an authentication token sorry you, you authenticate you get a token back you use that token uh you use that token till you get a 401 401 means unauthorized you then do a you know essentially in you know a new token you you know go and ask re log in and do that again 401s are an error like in, in the status codes, they are an error. Like they're in the group of errors, unauthorized. Yeah. So is 400, which is the invalid content. But we use those for validation. Now, validation, is that an error? Like, is that something I should be alerted to? So we're still kind of working this. So we get a lot of noise with these 401s and 400s come through still as being errors. And we have found that that kind of, or well, I know personally, I found that that's quite noisy. And yeah, yeah. I think the trouble is, is errors, you have, you, what you want to do is you want to make them very much focused you know like it's too much data can actually be bad for you 
you're better off sometimes having not as much data yeah. and it being like, oh, wow, okay, whoa, this has happened, you know, because you just become numb to it. It just yeah. becomes like, oh, these areas, they're fine, but you shouldn't be treating them like that. Uh, so we're still having to think, you know, kind of have a think about how we're going to be solving that issue. But yeah, I would say like, yeah, JavaScript areas of things for me were, were, have been a hard one. Yeah. What about um, in terms of um, sort of like your your resource spikes and stuff like that for, for monitoring that? Is that something you, you guys yeah. do as well? Uh, yeah. So we have um, so Datadog. So there's a couple of things. So you use stuff like New Relic. New Relic's a great one to start off with because it's a simple, you know, you normally in your package installer. Uh, yeah. All you do is you just go in, you know, you install it, you set it up, and it starts monitoring your memory, you, you know, your disk space, disk usage, network usage, uh, you know, processes running, and then it also integrates into things like, you know, Nginx, Apache, PHP, and it can do a lot of clever things there. Um, that's great, you know, with also exceptions, things like that. We also then have stuff like Datadog. Datadog gets a bit more cooler because you can actually uh, push in metrics to it. So we have uh, like statistics and stuff and and like say we have queues running uh, like email queues and um, what we do is we pump in information say you know like uh, kind of information such as so we want to alert me like alert us if this something is on the queue for longer than five minutes like we have a heuristic that we know typically something shouldn't be on that queue an email queue to be sent um, over five minutes or a minute or whatever. Yeah. So if it gets over a minute and it's still on the queue, like an email's on a queue, we get alerted for it. So we get pinged about that. Oh, there's something wrong then. You know, so we and we pile in with all this information. Like we've got counts on it if it over, you know, like if if the email counts over a thousand, if like the message counts over a thousand on certain things, if we haven't had, you know, if it's taken this much longer to do something, mm-hmm. then there's an issue and things like that. So there's a lot of information we have. Um Datadog clean like does some really good stuff with that and allows you to, you know, essentially what it does is it, it runs on a cron job where it just keeps searching pushes it up to datadog datadog then we say to it you know give me the average of whatever happens in this time and if it's not meets this threshold alert me um so that type of stuff's really great because it allows you then to not worry about that um i know that we've had a you know you've had a interesting uh evening with like you know <laughs> what would be nice is to have something like you know like 500s and things like that yeah. where like pingdom and things like this where you can just say look i kind of set and forget like you alert me if there's a problem um, yeah. here, here's my base cases and if it doesn't if it doesn't meet these please tell me like at any time or you know have like set levels i would definitely recommend um you know if you're getting more into the server stuff if you care like if you really want to kind of you know worry about this is to look into getting new right set up new look into new getting data dog set up uh things like paper trails good these are things that um you know a log they're all essentially just logging but different aspects well um, i wanted to have a play with the elk stack <laughs> Um, the oh, what's this? The uh, so this is uh, so it's like Elasticsearch, uh, Logstash, and Kibana. Ah, uh, I remember. Yeah, I I, yeah. I looked into this ages ago. It does yeah. look cool. It looks very cool. That actually. Yeah. Well, it seems like everyone's using. Well, mm. again, everyone, all the cool kids. But yeah, they they talked about this a lot. In fact, I went to an Elkstack talk on uh, the previous PHP conference, and then it sort of came up again a lot in this conference. So, um. And I guess, you know what, to be honest with you, I I think one of the guys was talking was saying, like, you know, you don't need this if you're running, um, you know, a small brochure site. You know, to be honest with you, do you really need it? But if you're running big web applications, then yes, you do. Yeah, I think and- custom custom logging is really important. I would say personally, if I was you, I would look at the the ones that are already out there at the moment. 
like yeah. free ones that you can get um and and just set up and then use you know like because new i mean these are used by massive companies as well um yeah. you know if you want custom logging like I, that's understandable in certain use cases but yeah. i would find in the generic use case especially to start off with kind of just just to kind of the the barrier to entry is so much nicer because you can just get it installed and once it's installed then it's just kind of set and forget and you could be like oh yeah i had this installed that's great yeah. i can you know start playing with it and stuff whereas things like using log stash and kabat and all these things you kind of have to know and you want to apply a lot more info at the offset i must admit it didn't look like just run you know install it's not and... the nice yeah because it, it, it's and it, you don't you have to still part like all the information that you're piling into it you still have to set up yourself Right. Um, you know, like because essentially, it's the Elasticsearch. Obviously, is a data store for it. Logstash is the um, actual thing that's running, which allows it to kind of process. So you passing it stuff into Logstash, which is then storing it into Elasticsearch, and then yeah. being able to do things on that. And then the Kambana, I think it's the is a Ruby kind of GUI for it. Yeah, Logstash sure. is on its own, not very pretty. Um, so, but I would, I would recommend, but I would definitely say, look at that, but I would recommend setting up on your server, your digital ocean box you've got now, just set up new relic and set up Datadog and start playing with that stuff. And if you don't, if you find that you're missing something, then yeah. look at another thing. Like the great thing is, is so many options out there. They all offer free, like, you know, trials or they offer free, like, um, you know, like if you have under like 20,000 hits, you know, and things like these, which, yeah. you know, at the first, maybe you will. That'd be great, you know, like, and then you'd be able to have the problem of eventually going up before, you know, beefing that up. Yeah. Um, and like things like Track.js, Reception, all these things, I would definitely recommend checking out the free ones, like the free, free offerings first and seeing where you go from there. Oh, nice one, man. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. So anyway, how about you? Uh, what have you been up to? Anything? I, I finished. I was deploying some stuff last week, which went really well, which was good. Uh, it's always nice to get something deployed. I've been uh, blogging lots, right? I've been blogging lots. Yes, I've, so I do my. Yeah, actually, I was just bit. I was just looking at one of your blogs, the uh, how to reintroduce the blink. Tag. Oh hell yeah! So that was this morning's <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, I decided like <laughs> so. Actually, one thing uh, this weekend, yesterday evening. Um, amyclifton.com so my, my girlfriend oh, she, <laughs> she uh so for her birth no for christmas last year i think a couple of years ago actually i was like oh i think i'm gonna get amy a domain i bought a decent gift as well don't worry like this was just an extra thing because if i'd bought her a domain <laughs> and that did it i probably wouldn't be saying i have a girlfriend at this time um oh, so uh, you know exactly it, it would be a winner or not you know uh but you know so i said oh, amy i've got your domain so she's like what is a domain first so we worked out that you know but anyway so now she's got her own website set up amyclifton.com and uh i set up what well, yesterday night i set up her a github profile a simple you know github pages <laughs> site and like all she was doing i mean it is amazing now with github pages like github essentially you know you can just do it all in the browser you know it's like back being back in the free webs days and things like GeoCities because essentially it's just like a wizard you know not WYSIWYG, but you've got the text editor in there and you're just doing commits you know you can upload files now in github so she upload i'll put it in the show notes but she was uploading random gifs that i'd made on my iphone like throughout the couple of weeks and stuff yeah. and just random stuff and yeah it was really fun and like her learning kind of how to web program and stuff and it was interesting like trying you know because she was like, oh but i want to move it over there and i'm like well it doesn't quite work like that and working out like the limitations of the web platform it's really interesting to see how someone thinks about it and you're like we we just come you know accustomed to certain things like no that's not possible but you're like, she's like well why not and i'm like 
okay, well, now I'm going to have to explain this. I'm thinking, yeah, why is that not possible again? You know, we just take it for granted. So it was really interesting and a lot of fun to like kind of teach someone who's a non-programmer kind of basic HTML stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's now got her own website that is hilarious. And it's like, it's it's got marquee tag. Uh, you know, I'm hoping we're going to add the blink tag because I, I, I was playing thinking, oh, I had the blink tag in as well. I'll, I'll show her this because I thought, you know, that everyone needs to know, you know, back in the day, that was our go-to, you know, blink tag, marquee. marquee. Exactly. You know, it's the golden standard. Um, but it didn't work. And I'm like, oh no, this isn't, this isn't good. So this morning uh, before work, I, I just decided I'm just going to code up a quick implementation in JavaScript. Uh, and, I, and it was just another blog, but I just put it on my blog. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to hopefully this next weekend, uh, if she still is interested in becoming a web programmer, because everyone cool should do, you know, oh, absolutely, yes. uh, is get the blink tag going on some like GIFs, because that would definitely give someone an epileptic shock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am amazed how the blink tag got in. Like, it's so bad. Like for surely like ex- web accessibility and things like this, and so with Marquee to be fair. But yeah, so anyway, other than that, um, in my own time, I've been I've been I've been doing quite a, f- a few things actually. In my own time. So one of them is like algorithms. So that's been the couple of things I've been blogging on, uh, enclosure and things like that, with like insertion sorts, selection sorts, and bubble sorts and things. But I, I algorithms are interesting and like. You know, people have like, do they have a practical use case, you know, because eventually are you just going to be using someone's library instead? You know, if you end up having to write one of these algorithms in a language, you're doing it wrong because there's definitely a library that's done it a thousand times better. You know, that's either a level down where it's written in C, you know, as opposed to the higher level language you're using or it's been more optimized and things like that. But it's very interesting learning these algorithms and like how they solve the problems, you know, especially sorting algorithms, which you would think is a very trivial, easy thing to do. But actually, there's so many ways of doing it. And there's, you know, asymptotic time, the uh, O log N, you know, and things like this. So one of the things, though, is the algorithms like visualizing them. And there's a couple of really good YouTube videos I put in the show notes of like the visualizations of the different sorting algorithms and how they work. And I found that was a really good way of learning how the different algorithms actually, like how they work under the hood is, you know, by the way they visualize, the way they can be visualized. So I'll put that in the show notes. Um, And another one is Rick Hickey. And so this is, again, going into the Clojure stuff that I'm quite obsessed with at the moment. Uh, Rick Hickey is the creator of Clojure and his talks are amazing. Um, And I was able to online, I found on on GitHub, some guys been really nice to actually, I, I, I find that I like the talks, but I also like reading as well. So the mixture of the two is great where he's actually uh, done t- talk transcripts for quite a few different people's talks, uh, but he's done them pretty much for all of Rick Hickey's ones. So that's a great resource where you're able to, you know, as he's going on, you know, because I've, I've probably listened to a couple of his talks multiple times. And other than that, I've also been, though, yeah, finally, actually, is so we had Will, uh, Will Thomas, uh, my designer friend who I work with at my builder a couple of weeks ago on, and he mentioned someone called Frank Cremiro. And... Uh, he, he lent me a book that was called The Shape of Design and I started reading it at the weekend and I started I listened to a couple uh, well watched a couple of the Frank Miro's uh, videos uh, on Vimeo and YouTube and I'll, you know, this guy's just amazing like he's a designer and it's really interesting to kind of think about stuff outside of programming and kind of get influences from other areas because I think yeah. I come too obsessed with just code whereas like looking into design stuff and this guy looks at the web in such a different way obviously being a designer but also he has such a different insight but the parallel like the contrast but also the similarities are so kind of 
yeah, it's it's very familiar, kind of what he's talking about, and you can relate it to what we do very easy. And I really recommend like the shape of design, the the actual the video, the actual talk he gave, but also the accompanying book that he wrote after the fact. Uh, it's online; you can actually order it online, or you can actually just read it online. And I definitely recommend checking those out. And that's uh, yeah, that that's pretty much my week in a nutshell. Fantastic. How, how's everyone's weeks looking? Is it a uh, a good week? What what were you actually got, what are you currently working on, uh, Fraser? Uh, I'm back to working on the the standard product at the, at the office at the moment. So it's the the online betting platforms uh, for sports books, um, and yeah, so I'm I'm cracking on with that. We've got a few. We do uh, monthly monthly release cycles, so we are due to release our March one tomorrow. So that's going to go out with a nice a load of nice new features, um, and we've got a list of of other new features that we're developing for April at the moment. So it's yeah, it's kind of business as usual to be that's honest. That's cool. Uh, how, how do you kind of work that out then is there like a stop off gap you have like these are the features we want to get done in this this release window Uh and then you have a a complete stop off or like a shut like say at this time now we've got a week till we have to release it nothing else is going in pretty much well we kind of yeah we we work in monthly release cycles as i said so um our project managers and project uh, product owners will have a chat with the client the clients over all overseas um so they'll basically have meetings with them decide what they want to put in we'll suggest stuff as well we like for instance we'll go to them and say oh well how about the like it can be something little like at the moment on the the bet slip every time you change scenes on the bet slip um your if you're scrolled down the page and you've got a long bet slip when you go onto the the confirm page it doesn't scroll you to the top and it's it's to be honest it's it would be nice if it scroll you to the top so our product uh or product owners have gone to them and said oh well how about we develop this for you and and what have you so we it's it's a kind of a, a mixture between them suggesting and requesting things and us saying oh well have you thought about doing this have you thought about doing aiding this? them but, kind of helping them along kind of exactly yeah so ultimately the the decisions come from the clients so we don't do anything without them giving us the go-ahead um so yeah um did you find have... that a month's a good time or do you feel it's maybe a bit too too much too quick uh, no too i think slow? it's i think a month's generally good because then you've got two sprints to work to in between um so we try and get them we trying to get them to sign off. I, I'm trying to push the project managers and the product owners to kind of get the sign off a little bit earlier. Um, just sign offs on a, a feature being complete, or on uh, sorry, idea? to get to get sign offs on work they'd like right, done yep. for the next the next release. Because um, sometimes it can get to the point where they they haven't given us the complete go ahead to something, and it kind of eats into our development time a yep. little bit. But uh, so I've tried pushing that to to the product owners, but obviously they want to be as flexible with the customer as possible for for kind of keeping the, the customer happy. Um, yeah, which is it's, it's which it must be kind of yeah seesaw kind of juggling act. Yeah, it really is. Um, so obviously we're, we're trying to keep everyone happy while still trying to be able to develop to a proper cycle and get some good good quality code out there. Um, so yeah, so once once we've got the sign off for some some work to do, we'll generally develop that over a couple of sprints. Um, and uh, yeah, it could be anything. It could be huge features, or it could just be kind of minor pixel pushing and all that kind of stuff. So we've got a mixture this month of like some pixel pushing stuff and a couple of bugs that have been that have been discovered. Um, one at the moment that I'm trying to trying to replicate. I've not been able to replicate. Oh, I love it. Do- cannot replicate. Oh, it's horrible. Like, it, yes. the, yeah, once once I can replicate it and once I can replicate that's it consistently, consistent I, I think kind of roughly what got, it's going to be, but it's, it. yeah, it's almost, it's, it's impossible. It's like, even in terms of, okay, well, we think it's this, and then you think you you, do, you write some code that kind of you think what it is, but if, if QA can't replicate it as well, then they can't sign it off in good conscience. So there's, there's no point in us doing any work if we can't actually replicate the bug, which is, 
which is a bit of an issue. Um, but it's yeah, the the client uh, reported this bug, and it's something that happens sporadically. That That's he's, the worst. Exactly, the worst he's seen it once or man. twice, and then like when you try and is push it a serious? Up. Is it a quite serious bug when it does happen? No, not at all. Like it, yeah, it's no, it's it's basically it's not too bad then. So it's no. not life threatening to the to the actual product. If it, oh no, yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna cause anyone to place bets they didn't think they were gonna be placing. It's not gonna cause people to not be able to place bets. Um, but it's just yeah, it's a tiny little bug. But it's it's one of the, it's a really really annoying thing. And when the client re- reported it to us, we got back to him and said, okay, well, can you give us the steps like the, yeah, yeah? Can, can you give me the place on? how to replicate this, please? Exactly. And he said, oh, it was it was five o'clock on Friday afternoon, so I don't really remember too well. So <laughs> it was like, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You've made my life so much easier because it's not like there's infinite place like ways and combinations I can exactly. use this application yeah. uh, to get into any state. Joy. Yeah. Yeah, so we kind of we we oh this is well this goes back to logging. So we grabbed the server logs um for around the time that that the uh the issue occurred um to to get all the responses that were sent around that time. So I went through a list of these these logs within like a five minute period and there were loads of them. Um but there was two that had errors in them. So I looked at the the two errors there and it turns out that these server errors, weren't they, I guess. They yeah. well they, they weren't server errors, but they were the responses, but they were they were kind of errors suggesting that we hadn't passed all the information that the right. server was looking for. So it basically kicked it back and said, look, we haven't got enough information, so we can't fulfill your request. So I took, there was two instances of these. I had a look at those, um, and then it turned out that it, it it couldn't have been either of those because this the situation where these two errors cropped up can only happen when the user's logged in and he, the, the client no, no, so. he wasn't logged in at the time. So you're back to square one again. Exactly. Yeah. That, well, that's another thing that's horrible is when you think you've got something, you're grabbing yep. onto it, you're like, and you want to still believe, even when you now know, you're like, yep. I want to believe it's something to do with that because it's the only thing that makes logical sense. Yeah, exactly. And I, I kind of, I followed this this trace. So I got the log and I said, oh, okay, well, if this is the case, then we're going to follow this this process through the code so i got to the there's like a case statement which is horrible itself but there's a case statement that uh, that it kind of came down to and i was like oh i found it this is exactly what it is um and then i kind of injected the response into this case statement and lo and behold it wasn't that so <laughs> it's kind of oh, i had man. four hours of investigation debugging yeah, and then I got back to them and said, or not got back to the client, but got back to the product owner and said, look, I've been looking at this for four hours, not been able to replicate it once. Um, can we have a word with QA, see if they can do anything to replicate it? Because in the meantime, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't really afford to waste any more time on on this thing that I can't replicate. So, uh, yeah, I did a couple of other things instead. That's actually one thing I was going to ask. Like, So you have, so at the beginning of the month, you get in kind of, this is what we want them to do. Like, I'm guessing the project owner has or product owner has already decided what you're going to do, or do you have a lot of say in what you're going to be doing for that month? No, not at all. Yeah, it's all down to the product owner. We have we have kind of sprint planning meetings and stuff, so we will sit down and we'll give estimates for all the bits of work that they'd like to be in in that sprint. Um, and then obviously, if we don't have the resource to do everything, if there's if the list of requirements is way too high, then we have to get back to the client and say, okay, that's well, it. You kind of got with he know, but obviously, I guess the product owner is on your side. Forward. exactly that, that's yeah it, that's yeah. that's a good thing because i've not worked in a in a company before where there is a product owner who is yeah, it's really interesting client. so uh yeah it's, it's really good and it's, it's nice to have um so yeah i went completely off track before didn't i so yeah so we'll get the the list of requirements um and then we'll get them drawn up in redmine which we use for our our issue tracking um and they'll be assigned to or they'll be flagged as ready for development and they're assigned to the developer that's going to be working on that um and we try and write the specs in a uh a BDD manner, so it's kind of like given 
given this. So the, the idea is that we can take the exact same spec that we're given to develop to, we can develop to it to a T, and then when we pass it over to QA, they can use the exact same spec to do the to do the testing on on that item. Um, so that we know that we've got a solid kind of a solid reference point for the developer and for for QA. So yeah, it generally works quite well. Um, every now and again, obviously stuff crops up where. Do you have urgent bugs that you just have to fix, kind of hot fixes, or has that not happened? Like in the yeah, we do, we do. This this thing I'm looking at at the moment, actually, that I've not been able to replicate. They they're wanting that to go out as a hot fix. So this release is going out tomorrow. Um, this uh, which which is the March monthly release. The hot fix that i'm working on at the moment is this this bug that i couldn't replicate yet so they want that to go out as a hot fix in about a week's time or something um so it in an ideal world it wouldn't happen but in a real world yes yeah, so this is the thing you have to kind of deal with it don't you where you need something out there um yes. you know asap and like it, because you it, have that whole because so you do your first sprint and then like it halfway through did who who gets to know, like know kind of the progress? Are only the product manager, uh, product owner, sorry, or do you also tell the client? Yeah, they, we, they we see also tell the client. From them so what's going yes, on? so after after about two weeks into the into the monthly development cycle, we'll give the client uh, what we call the BAT build, which is basically business exception to X acceptance test build. So this is stuff that we have, we've developed, our QA signed it off. It's, it's not the full thing, but it's just kind of something to give them a taste so they know yeah, what's the, the raw direction you're going in and things like that. Exactly, yeah, because they've got their own QA team as well, so they have to sign stuff off before anything goes live. So we do our QA, they do QA on the work that we've done. And then once we pass it and they pass it, then, then it can actually go out to production. Um, so, yeah, we'll give them a, a bit of like a, a kind of a halfway house build which is just kind of so they're not getting bombarded with everything right at the end of the month. So they, and, and also, like, I suppose they give you feedback that you can then tweak exactly. on in the next sprint as opposed That's to it right, just yeah. being a complete wasted kind of venture for the month. Exactly, yeah. And obviously, they know the business better than anybody, so they're able to look at all the different kind of edge yeah. cases and, and what have you. And it's, it, it, it keeps it it, it keeps it a, a very stress-free process, to be honest with you. Yeah, because, I mean, Q's and QA, because I've never worked in a place with, with QA, and it's quite. Do you have QA, uh, my builder? We do. We are like I suppose for us, we kind of test our own stuff, and yep. then we have like you know we we have peer reviews and that kind of thing. We don't have people set out who just do the QA kind of okay. thing. Um, and like so, what what is their job then? Their role is just to test the product. I'm, I'm assuming exactly. Yeah. So a uh, base level. So they they'll when we when we've developed a ticket, we will um, change the status to ready for testing, and we'll assign it over to QA. So we've got a QA manager, and we've got three QA engineers. Wow. So they're they're they're, they're yeah they're they're really good. They're not kind of just sitting there clicking buttons and stuff. They're they're kind of knowledgeable enough to go into the web inspector into Chrome Inspector and kind of look at the API calls and make sure that stuff's coming back that should be coming back and make sure that we're passing all the correct fields and everything. So, so they're they're quite technical. Um, but uh, yeah, so at a very base level, they're they're going through the the user story. So it'll be kind of like okay, when you click the login button, then when you enter username and password, then this should happen. Um, so all the kind of like the standard regression mm. testing. So they've got test steps to do everything. Um, so they'll try and test everything. For so many... did you not have any automated kind of like Selenium stuff for these kind of things? No, it... we don't. I actually looked at, at developing some of that, but it was a project that I had to come off to work on something else just because we were so busy. So I've kind of like half developed. Uh, we're using Cucumber JS. Yep. Uh, Cucumber JS and Appium and Selenium and stuff to actually physically go ahead and and click on the user interface. So the idea was we'd put this together. Um, it would be part of our build process. So it would do the major the major kind of functionality. So it would test login in, make sure that you can log in. Um, it would test kind of 
placing or adding a bet to your bet cart and then actually pay, placing the bet. So you're not going to cover... The full, not the full thing, but you can... It at least then allows you to show the whole story, like some exactly, happy yeah. paths and stuff with... Because that's the user, you know, the acceptance test is really kind of happy paths of, you know, does it do what I've actually asked, you know, what yep. it's meant to do, as opposed to, you know, kind of each intricate, intricate bit, you know, kind of problems and things. Exactly, yeah. Um, and it's also written in a way that... Because you've seen Cucumber Syntax, presumably... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you write it as you'd write a BDD test. The so gherkin. Given I'm on, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry, gherkin. Amazing, gherkin amazing syntax? naming. Yeah. Um, so I've written all the code that kind of interacts with the major. When I click on a button with the ID of such and such, because the QA engine is a, a, a kind of competent enough to be able to go into Inspector and look at the ID of something, Understand so we can kind of target. Yeah. So when I when I click ID login or hash login. Um, I expect the the login modal to appear when I enter an incorrect username and password. I expect to see an error message, this, that, and the other. So they can go in and they can write it in natural English language. And then all the code, the code that I've written, then basically takes that and interprets that and then physically goes and runs the test through Selenium or, or Appium. Oh, nice. So you're hoping then that they get to actually write the tests. Exactly, that they, yeah. So that it's their process a bit. Exactly. And the kind of the, the golden scenario would be, or like the holy grail would be, we would we would take our um, BDD uh, tickets from Redmine and they would be able to copy and paste the, the kind of like, do you know what I was saying about how we write everything, all our specs in BDD kind of The given when then. Exactly, yeah. So we would literally be able to copy that paste it into uh, into the test runner and it would automatically go and test that for them so there'd be a lot less that the testers would actually have to do because yeah, i can imagine it must get board. quite a, a laborious task sometimes having to go exactly make yeah. sure that they've done yeah uh, so that's the kind of the holy grail but there's a lot of work to that that needs to be done before it's kind of at that a level lot, yeah, easier yeah. said than done much exactly yeah but that's, that's kind done. of yeah how it's going how about you mickey uh well i just uh, download Datadog, like uh, good, good, good. I like it. That's nice. It's like a one-line installation. That's amazing. So yeah, but now enjoy I enjoy New Relic out. as well because that's another one-line installation. It's so cool. Not quite expensive though for like you know just a, uh, a guy like me on my own. But um, do you like, like, do data? Do you have to pay for Datadog? A uh, Datadog, I think. I don't know. I've just New Relic. New Relic has a free trial as uh, not free trial. It also has a free free me not freemium. It? Yeah, it has yeah it has a free tier. Okay, I was trying to look, but uh, but yeah, so I'll have a little play with that. And uh, but other than that, still working on my uh, my big freelance project. And um, yeah, I got a big demo on Thursday, so which is always scary. Um, but yeah, no, I've just been uh, trying to, like I say, uh, split that project up to uh, into like different services. So uh, and try and practice what I preach. So yeah, looking like a busy one, but uh, yeah, enjoyable. Very so, nice. Uh, all good. Awesome. Well, guys, this has been another great episode. I always say that. And like, I remember once you said, Mickey, <laughs> so how, how do you know? And it's arrogant, yeah. Well, I feel it's been a good episode. You know, I feel personally it's been a very good episode. Um, I I, I, I'm glad you've, I, I hope, Fraser, have you enjoyed it too? I've had the time of my life to Brilliant. Okay, well, well, we've all enjoyed it. Um, our audience, I hope you've enjoyed it as much. Uh, please leave your, you know, your comments and stuff in the... Well, actually, yeah, actually in the comment section below and also on iTunes. It'd be really cool to get some more, co- you know. Have we had more, any reviews on we iTunes? We haven't had any more reviews. We've had you, Justin, and some a very nice person also. You yeah. know the two fake ones. It's pretty obvious when you look on it. You're like, <laughs> Those are the fake ones. And then there's like a legitimate one. Uh, it'd be really nice though, yeah, if people could uh, rate us on iTunes because it does help bump us up kind of with other people and things. Yeah. Not that we yeah. want to replace your audience. We just want to increase your audience. Anyway. I- 
Audience, and we love you all. We love you yeah. all. Absolutely. Audience, speak to you next week. Goodbye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.